0: I would hope that it would be first understood of my choice of title to what precedes that no exaggeration is intended. This was my most horrific of dreams come to a vivid and fearsome life of its own. This also happens to be the story of a fucking idiot. I'll not waste the time of the reader detailing my past drug experiences, this account is long enough. Suffice I've been a user of drugs at one time or another for nearly 15 years and have experimented with numerous substances, largely to positive and finely remembered effect. On this particular occasion, I realized the truth behind warnings associated with hallucinogenic experimentation and as such, wouldn't have extended these warnings to all with whom I converse on the topic. Before I detail the experience in question, I shall first give a short description of my very first attempt at LSD consumption. It was at a house party at my home in around 2001 or 2002, and involved the taking of one tab of acid. It was in general a new and interesting experience, though halfway through my trip, I fell prey to a nervousness I was unfamiliar with that forced my hiding away in my bedroom for the rest of the night. A strange and unnerving time to be sure, but not of the level associated with my next experience, and as such, its warnings of the effects of LSD on my system went unheeded. The second time I subjected myself to this powerful drug was in 2003. Again, in my own home, yet with a greatly altered environment, I shall explain. My family were out of town for one week visiting relatives, and I had intended to use this time to enjoy some ecstasy with some friends in a free house with loud music. Intentions, indeed. I had procured my ecstasy for my usual guy earlier in the day, accompanied by the usual dealer boasting of the potency of said ecstasy, and how the night prior some of his other lucky customers had found amusement climbing lampposts and generally being fucked up. Nice, I thought, that should be fun. So later that evening, I sat waiting on word from my friends, and waiting, and waiting. And with no credit on my mobile phone, and an incoming only house line, all I could do was wait. Patience being a yet-acquired virtue, I decided to neck the first E, content if need be in smacking out alone. It was then that I first noticed the unusual nature of the tablets. They were clear white, usually the sign of a great E smooth on one side, but jagged and broken on the other, as if they were once cylindrical and had been sheared in half. Good, I thought, must be pretty strong to require their cutting in half. Idiot. So, water in hand, I necked the first E. Oh shit, was my first thought. No sickly, bile-like pill taste. Damn, these could be duds. Slightly puzzled at my supplier's assurances of the high quality of the pills and annoyed at the prospect of waiting hours for a buzz that will never come, I sat in front of my TV and computer and waited with some music. Having consumed the first on a fairly empty stomach, I guess if they were the genuine deal I hoped they were, I would have had little longer than an hour to feel their effects. Half an hour passed, and nothing. No tingle on my neck, no swirling of my stomach, no blurring of my vision, nothing growing increasingly annoyed with the burn I was facing up to. I took the stupid and forever regrettable decision to neck the remaining innocuous tablet, half out of hope that they were just very mild ease, and half out of anger at the waste of a good night. Sat on, listening to music and surfing the net, TV putting out some background imagery. Another hour or so passed, when it struck. A slight, and barely noticeable shifting of the image on my computer screen. Hardly anything a seasoned acid user might notice, but for me, it was a punch in my face. Immediately I recognized the sensation as being one I had felt much of on my first trip. A wave of panic swept over me. Jesus fucking Christ. That was acid! Oh my god, I thought. What the hell? That shit was acid! I've necked two fucking acid tabs! My mind began racing at the prospect of what that horrible fact meant. Jesus Christ, I'm alone here. I took a deep breath and tried to force myself calm. A futile idea given what was to follow. Relax, I thought. Enjoy it. It might be good fun. After all, I had first tried acid in the hope of experiencing all the crazy world-bending effects they are reputed to induce. Perhaps I'll just have a conversation with God, or spend the night in convulsed stitches of laughter at my cat or something. But I knew such ideas were a joke at best, as the creeping fear had already begun, and would continue. Within minutes of the first rush, the circular motion of the TV, floor, and walls was in full swing, and the fear was growing. A bizarre reaction to be sure, to be utterly petrified by nothing in particular. I paced the living room in a nervous funk, hoping for some kind of solution. I have to throw up. At least try, anyway. Forcing my own vomiting was something I had never done before, never needed to, and I understood perfectly how violent and unpleasant it would be. But I was more than willing to pull my own stomach out from my throat if it would only save me some of what would later happen anyway. I dashed into the bathroom, lifted the toilet seat, and assumed the position. Without a second thought, I shoved my hand down my esophagus and wiggled my fingers, retching immediately, but not throwing up. Tried again, but nothing. It was at this point that when I took a moment to catch my breath, the urgency and true seriousness of what I was currently doing occurred to me, and this made me even more terrified. Vomiting now seemed my only chance. Resolute, I again pushed my hand as far down my throat as I could and kept it there, eventually producing the desired result. After a few heaves, I knew my stomach had given up all it would. I washed myself off, temporarily calmed, and returned to the living room. Once cocooned under a duvet on the couch, only a few moments passed until the sounds began changing. The violent, angry insanity that was blaring from the TV, a program about the WRC World Rally Tournament, was taking on an increasing menacing air as the acid decided to fuck with my hearing. Sounds would drift out to a faraway distance and then sway back into a brief booming din, and then back away, and then back again. Back and forward, back and forward. This fucking noise, I had to make it stop. I clambered for the remote to hit mute, terrified by having to move at all. I lay there in silence, almost. I could hear my fucking heartbeat do the same shit. Louder, quieter, louder, quieter, fuck. Then a car drove past my house at speed, producing the sound of an insane fighter jet. I turned the mute back off. Things were getting worse. I'd be caught in the grips of rushing fear that would force my eyes closed and clench my fingers tight and all the while I knew I had many, many more hours, never mind minutes or fucking seconds left of this shit to endure. I was trapped in a self-induced mental cataclysm, unable to form rational thoughts, pleading with my own consciousness to just fucking relax. I knew I was fighting the effects of the acid and thereby making things far worse for myself, but attempts at calmness were met by increasingly powerful waves of terror. It was as if the acid had a consciousness of its own, and had directed it entirely toward making this experience as horrible as it could. And with the swirling noises in my head, I could on the odd occasion almost make out the snickering laugh of my new worst enemy. I began succumbing to desperation, looking every few seconds at my mobile phone in the hope that it would somehow become useful. Anyone could phone, anyone, and that would be all I would need. Even if someone dialed it by accident, I could beg them to phone one of my friends so they could come over and help me get through this. But this too was futile, and only served to increase my anxiety. I began pacing the house again, staring at walls in horrified fascination at the swirling mass of confused colors. Then I found myself out in the hallway staring at the house phone. Did I mention it was incoming only? That meant I could only make one type of phone call to the fucking emergency services. But knowing that would be a phone call that could have far longer lasting repercussions than just riding it out, I held back the temptation. Instead, I went outside to flag down a car. In and itself, a fucking stupid idea given how tight-knit this community is. To have the pastor of the local church being flagged down in the middle of the night by a jabbering drug head in the grip of an acid psychosis probably wouldn't help my image at the next school play. I am now pacing my garden in the middle of the night with tears of fear and loneliness dried into my face. A car sped by my house, and I decided I had to do something, so I stumbled out onto the road to wait for the next one. Thankfully, or not as later events might have it, it was late at night, and given the country location of my house, no cars came while I was on the road. Again, my mind was in a panicky debate over what possible out I had from this nightmare. My nearest neighbor was a few dozen yards up the road. I could call there and beg the use of their phone. It didn't take much to decide against this given how straight they are, and that it was now about 2 a.m., and we barely know each other, and I was fucked on acid. I could call to my friend's house down the road a mile or so, but he lives with his parents, and they already suspected the nature of my drug usage, and the shame would be a stain that would never wash away. Plus, it would have meant walking down a pitch-black country road with a head full of acid. No chance. It was enough to try and ignore the monsters in my well-lit house, never mind being chased by trees and whatnot. So here I was, crunch time, what do I do, wait on the road for a car and hope it doesn't hit me, call my judgmental neighbor's house and cry on their doorstep until the husband wakes up out of bed, or do I phone 999? Upon reflection, I might have made a better choice, really any choice would have been better than what I opted for. I took a deep breath and dialed the number. I got through to a clearly bored and uninterested operator who asked what the nature of the emergency was. This is roughly how the conversation went. What service do you require? I need an ambulance. What is the nature of your emergency? I should probably point out here that I learned some very valuable lessons about the nature of humanity during what followed. I had already decided to be completely honest about what I had done and what help I needed. Sure, in the comforting propaganda surrounding our medical professionals and servers of society, they would understand and would help me regardless. They would see my desperation and would want to help me. Of course they would. TV said so. Okay, I've taken some acid, but I swear to god, I didn't think it was acid, I thought it was ecstasy. Like this made any fucking difference. Excuse me? Please, I really need help. I took something not knowing it was acid, but it was acid, and now I need help please. I need an ambulance. Okay, right. Please. Where are you located? I gave them my address. Okay, what actually is wrong with you? Oh god help, I'm so fucked up. I'm so scared and I need help. (laughs) Are you laughing at me? I wasn't sure about this as I knew I could have been hallucinating, but yes, they definitely were. No, no, not at all. Your ambulance will be there soon. After hanging up the phone, I felt a little puzzled and more than a little hurt by the operator's coldness, and for the first time, I wondered if the benevolent ambulance men and hospital staff that I'd just invited into my life were really going to be the beacons of kindness I was hoping for. This was, however, largely a subconscious notion. I was altogether relieved at ending my acid-based house arrest, drastic means accepted. It was too late now, though, anyway. I had made my choice. I found my coat and waited outside for the ambulance. Whilst waiting for my saviors to arrive, the enormity of what was happening sat heavy on my frazzled brain. I had just taken, half by accident, two hugely powerful LSD pills and had now called an ambulance out to my own house. My own fucking house! I contemplated what had gone so wrong in my life that I'd be here in this self-formed human tragedy. Oh yeah, I took drugs. That's what happened. Not that I'm a poster boy for the anti-drugs brigade as a result, quite the contrary. In fact, my love of recreationals is as strong as ever. But still, at that moment, waiting for an ambulance I would called for myself, grappling with a chronic fear of just about everything, I couldn't help but curse the entire concept of expanded reality. Back then I would have gladly settled for an entirely sedentary life full of nothing more chemically stimulating than sex and video games but at least I had help on the way out, right? Actually, to be honest, hindsight is a marvelous, useless thing. Given it, I may, no would, have told those ambulance men to fuck right off, or at least hidden it in the bushes until they had driven away. But for those minutes before their arrival, I wasn't waiting on fucker's intent on chauffeuring me to hell. Rather, I had actually phoned a Batman-type superhero right to his cave, and him and Robin were screeching ever closer in their Batmobile to save me. I heard their vehicle approach from quite a distance away. Shit, I thought, I hope my neighbor doesn't wake up given how deathly silent the night was. They, like most of the norms around these parts are nosy fuckers and the after-hours sight of an ambulance clung to my house would stir a great many's a debate amongst the locals. No, it'll be cool, I thought. Its volume grew loud as it approached, quite a lot in fact. Sure, accentuated by my new acid perception, but still damn loud. And this new level of paranoia was not helping me deal with things. Then it arrived at the front of the house. At last, people. I'll just run up and get in the front. No, I won't. That wasn't their plan. Instead, they reversed up the driveway as loudly as possible. Then, one guy opened up the rear doors from inside, causing a sound resembling a printing press's impression of a road drill. Oh, fuck. There is no way my astute neighbors missed this shit. Might as well have had the sirens blaring, lights flashing, and have called to their house by accident. Fuck it, at least I'll get help now. I clambered into the cold, terrifying confines of the ambulance, and once he'd slammed the doors closed as hard as he could, we were off. My god, what a sight I must have been. By this point, I was desperately fighting back the waves of terror and nausea, and frankly, was in no state to answer any of the battery of questions the paramedic had in store. To be fair, this guy seemed pretty okay, though. He did almost seem to give a shit about why I was in so much apparent pain. He'd ask what I had taken and what the circumstances were, and while he was taking my blood pressure, I'd answer him as best as I could. This was a chore in itself, though, as I was having real trouble talking through my clenched teeth and agonized yelping. I remember he kept asking me what exactly it was I was feeling, and I really couldn't answer. All I could get through to him was that I was experiencing waves of utter horror that would not stop, and all I needed was some kind of counter drug to chill me out. He seemed entirely unsure if the hospital staff itself would have anything that might help. No shit. We were not far from our destination, and I was getting noticeably worse. The waves were racking my entire body into stiff convulsions accompanied by whiny screams. Then something happened that really frightened the shit out of me. The driver began to mimic the noises I was making. Oh dear. I really started to think that I had made a seriously bad move in calling these Nazis for help. Heartless fucker was taking the piss out of me? You asshole. Can't you see the state I'm in? I'm a broken human, humbled at your feet and crying for your assistance and compassion. And you fucking mock me? Wanker. Not that I actually said any of these things, as I was now unable to speak through my chattering teeth. I do remember apologizing at one point for wasting their time when a more serious call could be waiting. Didn't help. They were pretty disgusted. Finally, we arrived at the casualty department. The driver opened the back doors and motioned for me to exit the ambulance. This was not an easy feat whatsoever, as my legs were alternating between rigidness and jelly. So, he helped matters by saying, Get out! Oh, Christ. He led me through to the emergency ward where nurses, and I think a patient or two, were already staring at this human flotsam that just dribbled in. He said to a woman sitting in an office, "'What do you think of this?' Oh God, I thought he had meant for me to go into the office, but obviously not, as the woman half panicked and said, "'No, go over there,' and motioned towards an empty bed." I had arrived, quite possibly the worst place on the face of the earth for a paranoid acid fuckup to be. There probably are, in fact, worse places to end up, but when you've made your way to a hospital and are literally crying for help and have made the utterly mistaken impression that these people actually wanna help, this is as bad as it gets. If there is one thing that I've learned it's that acid psychosis and the negative judgment of strangers do not go together. I think, honestly, I would far rather have had the complete shit kicked out of me by other drugged up wankers than be exposed to the soul-destroying coldness of these people. One thing I will never forget, as long as I live, is her eyes, and that bitch doctor's utter disdain and revulsion that poured from them. I was begging her, begging her to help me. Her cruel responses were more than I could bear as I sank deeper into confusion, fear, and now, self-loathing. I remember telling her that I hadn't meant for this to happen, and that I had meant to take ecstasy. Her response? What's the difference? What's the difference? You fucking moron! I knew now that these people were not only dispassionate norms, but they also had years of medical training to inflate their ego and instill them with the ability and willingness to look far down upon those who they disapprove of, or simply do not understand. She had lumped me in with all the junkie, baby rapist, crack-horse scum of the world, and despite all my faults and all the stupid choices I had made that night, I did not deserve to be there. And all the while, she reprobated me. Her eyes would pierce my own, through my mind, and burn never healing scars into my soul. The acid must have been laughing its head off. She then left me to my screams, and I do mean screams. I feel really sorry for any other patients who were admitted that night having to listen to the sounds I was making. Constant pleading for help mixed with the frightful bouts of screeching noise. I guess it eventually got too much for the staff as the head bitch doctor finally returned with a small tablet and a cup of water. I asked what it was. Just take it, okay? Her reply. Interesting that she would now be providing the drugs. I swallowed the pill and returned to my nightmare. It mustn't have been more than 10 minutes when everything changed. I was calm. Completely calm, in fact. If I were in any other place on earth, I would have felt pretty damn good. It was in the semi-blissful state that I began noticing the trails. I'd stare fascinated at nurses walking by, and the cool outline shape of their figures would trail for seconds behind them. I waved my hand in front of my face and thought, Hey, this is the shit people describe. Cool. I think I even managed to smile. I must have slept very briefly as I remember opening my eyes with the distinct feeling that whatever it was she had given me was rapidly wearing off. The irrational panic was returning there would be no more screaming. It was then that a nurse was brought over to talk to me. Compared to the other Nazis I'd been faced with, she was a fucking saint. Still had that mild air of superiority mixed with a healthy dose of judgmentalism, but at least she could be reasoned with. It was while talking to her that bitch doctor, witch doctor, overheard me mention that I was a father. She immediately demanded to know if they were in the house during the night. I told her they were away on holiday, realizing that if I had said yes, she would have been on the phone to child services and the police like a shot, fucker. That would have made her fucking day I'm sure, trying to put well-loved and well-parented children into care. Eventually it got to the point when they wanted to know if there was anyone I could call to pick me up. I named a relative and gave the nurse her phone number, feeling sure that she at least would be pretty cool with what had happened once I explained the situation. A few minutes passed when she returned. The asshole doctor asked if there was someone coming out to pick me up, and the nurse replied, no. The doctor's immediate reply? They won't come out and pick him up? A perfect example of the opinion of me she had formed all by herself without knowing a fucking thing about who I really was. As if this shit happens all the time to me and my family are sick of it. Christ, what a prick. The nurse replied, no, it was an answer phone. That was the last straw for me, and seeing as the ability to control my own body was quickly returning, I told them to just call me a taxi and i make my own way home. I staggered slowly up off the bed and made my way outside, saying, ''Thanks a lot!'' as sarcastically as I could to the female doctor as I left. I heard her mumble something as I left, but I didn't make it out and didn't care anyway. My lessons had been learnt in that hellish place and I had no further need of anything she had to say. I waited outside with the okay nurse, smoked a cigarette, and talked while we waited for my pickup. I was mildly amused at one comment she said about how I would probably not really learn from this and would do drugs again. I told her she was probably right about ecstasy, but definitely not about LSD. She didn't seem to believe this at all, so I asked her how long she had seen me in the hospital for. She said about an hour or so, so I pointed out to her that for a long time before she arrived, I was screaming and begging for help. This seemed to shock her a little, and she seemed less skeptical when I again repeated my intention to never take LSD again. The taxi arrived, and I explained to the driver that I had no money, and could I please use his phone. I tried everyone I could think of, the first being the guy who had sold me the Ease, but no one was around. Probably because it was now after 9am, and everyone was away to work. I asked if he could drop me at a friend's house close to there, hoping he would be home and could pay for the ride. We got to his house, and I banged on the door, praying hard for him to answer. He did. I asked him for the money and paid the driver. I then stepped into his house and closed the door behind me to an overwhelming wave of relief and shock. I was safe. At last, I was safe. I was no longer alone with no one but demons to taunt me. Finally, I was with a friend. He could clearly see something very bad had happened, and certainly seemed a little shocked at the story I relayed to him. He, too, was stunned at the coldness of those whom I encountered that night, and the harshness with which I was treated. He said I could crash until I had come down. I was not out of the woods yet, so I went upstairs to the bathroom to put some water on my face. I was shocked at how I looked. My face was gray, my features were gaunt, and my hair was stuck up in the air at a weird angle. My God, I thought, I must have looked like this for hours. I returned downstairs and curled up into a fetus on his couch. I asked him if he could phone the guy who sold me the shit and get his fucking ass out here to take me home. He said he would phone him from work and have him call around to pick me up. I thanked him deeply, feeling truly humbled by his honest desire to help me. He left and I laid there exhausted, unable to sleep as the panic was not quite done yet, but calmer nonetheless. It was over. Soon after, the guy who sold me the LSD arrived to pick me up and take me home. The first thing I said to him was something along the lines of, You fucking Muppet! That was LSD! He kind of laughed slightly, genuinely surprised, but he soon realized the seriousness of what had happened once I told him the details of the previous night. He apologized, and that was okay. I wasn't mad at him for what had happened. Maybe when I was in the depths of psychosis, I had cursed him, but not anymore. Even if I had the energy to be angry, it was not his fault. It was mine. And besides... I was already feeling like some other higher power put all of this into motion to enable whatever learning could be gained as a result. I arrived at my house and he asked me if I needed him to come in and keep an eye on me. I told him I'd be okay so he left. Now I really didn't want to be on my own, I knew already that the whole experience had affected me greatly and there was much I needed to understand. I walked into my living room, identical to how I'd left it all those hours ago. I collapsed onto the couch and began to cry. I didn't stop until I was asleep. It was the day of a friend's birthday party which I had looked forward to for a long time. During this time of my life, I discovered psychedelics, mainly mushroom truffles which I acquired via the internet. Since I had them sent to me by mail, which wasn't legal, I was always quite anxious about anyone finding out. I had planned a dose during the birthday party to have an amazing time, which I always had, doing it exclusively at home listening to music and discovering the other world of Jimi Hendrix and the doors. My stash was empty and I had ordered a bag of truffles, which was on its way since over a week. Evening was closing in and slowly but surely, I came to peace with the package not arriving this busy Friday. I was really angry and disappointed at the prospect of not being able to drop on the party, as I felt just like a rider on the storm discovering this great new thing which made me feel happy, less anxious, and depressed, and gave me new knowledge and understanding of how the world truly works. I prepared to walk down the staircase and out of the house, disappointed that I would probably just end up lying on a bathroom floor drunk to hell like last time. But as I walked down, I could see an envelope lying in the milky glass of the mailbox, Intense heartbeats followed great euphoria as I saw that it was addressed to my name and I could already feel what was inside. My day was saved. It would be just like a movie. I would go to Woodstock this evening and dance around the campfire with my friends having the most amazing time. When I arrived at my friend's place, my stoner buddy, I wasn't smoking, was already there and I tried making a mental map of when to drop the truffles I had with me as I wanted to peek during the later evening when stuff was going down. We went outside the property as to not make my friend's parents aware that anyone smoked weed. And so on the way into the fields via a curved road lit by lanterns, I started snacking down truffle after truffle from my pocket. Overall, it was about 15 grams. I had a bit of a tolerance, so this dose didn't seem out of the ordinary. Most I had taken before was around 10 grams, but I wanted to have a real great time, hence I upped the dose. The slightly weird, acidic, and specific taste of the truffles filled my mouth. Not too bad, but also not pleasant. Kind of like nuts mixed with lemon, but in a bad way. My friend started lighting his blunt, and he offered it to me. As I never really smoked anything in my life, I took a few puffs and handed it back, probably leaving me with no to little effect of the weed. It must have been around 20 minutes, and I already felt different. This was weird to me, as I usually never felt anything so shortly after ingesting the truffles. Light seemed bright, and I felt this bubbling feeling in my stomach as if something was getting excited within me. When we arrived at the house, we sat down in my friend's busy garden filled with people in a party tent on a beach. A candle lit the whole thing, and 80s music was running in the background. I don't remember much about how it all started, but I remember staring at the candle on the table. Something wasn't right about it. I continued talking to my friends sitting at the table and looking around, when all of a sudden, it felt like my ears disconnected from the rest of my body. This weird buzz, this humming, this high-pitched sound almost like tinnitus filled my ears. I could see my friends' mouths moving, but couldn't connect the sounds they made to any language I had ever heard. Panic started to set in as I looked at the table which moved in a threatening manner. These visuals were picking up immensely. The glass in which the candle sat started warping and flying around the table. I looked up and the party lights made it look like the tent was flying and also like shadows were crawling over the whole thing. At this point I knew that I fucked up hard. No one knew I had taken anything and I knew that this was just the beginning of who the hell knew what type of trip. Intense fear started taking over me and I must have looked quite shook. Anyways, my friends left the table leaving me alone while I was absolutely horrified about what was going to happen to me. Did I fuck up? Would I forever stay like this? Did I take a trip too far? What would I do now? An immense feeling of impending doom came over me as the world around me stopped making sense. People standing around were looking like they had hidden plans to plot against me. Everyone knew all of a sudden that I was on something. I could read their thoughts after all. The police would arrive any second to arrest me, so I had to get away. I stood up from the table and left the party tent. I was unable to identify any faces at this point and was scared shitless that anyone would see me like this, so I decided to take off from the party. All my surroundings were entirely alien and I could not identify any spot or place I had previously been at before. I started walking through town towards the dark to hide myself from people who were obviously trying to do horrible things to me. I remembered the path me and my buddy took before and felt a connection to it. I walked down the curved lantern-lit path towards a spot we had previously been at. Time stopped making sense and the curve became ever steeper while the lanterns started bending over me like fangs trying to catch me. I started walking faster and faster, paranoia driven that at any second someone would grab me from behind. The curved path felt like I had rotated around myself multiple times at this point as nothing made sense. I was becoming increasingly aware that I had royally messed up this time. At some point, I entered the dark as no more lanterns lit the path. My fear was at the point that I thought I was going to literally die. I was over 10 miles from home, and I understood that it was physically impossible for me to walk home like this. I started walking into the vineyards, up the rows in the dirt. I constantly felt things touching me left and right and could physically hear sirens and other auditory hallucinations haunting and preying on me. I had chromatic aberrations in my field of view that split every real object into a thick layer of blue and red, separated from each other while everything was morphing constantly. I must have walked for about an hour when I came to any sense again and realized I'd walked through bushes and dirt and I was essentially entirely drenched and dirty I was on top of a hill outside the village and could look down to where my friend's house was. I didn't know how I ended up here and felt like I would never be able to go back now. I got the idea that if I forced myself to throw up, that maybe the trip would stop and it would all go away. I got to my knees and pushed my fingers into my mouth. Doing this while high on mushrooms was probably one of the most disgusting feelings ever. Even though I was extremely committed in throwing up, I just couldn't. My mind was literally melting as the trip got stronger and stronger and I lost complete touch with reality. I threw the baggie in which the truffles had been into a sewer and made sure it was fully gone. After all, it would be picked up by agents who would investigate me doing other drugs and I had to hide it as best as I could. They might fingerprint or DNA test the baggie and track me down. At this point, I was fully psychotic and could not tell reality from the hallucinations. I was constantly teleported forward and backwards in never-ending loops walking around the same place over and over again. I constantly lost my phone in my own pocket and had to stop and try to recover it. I had activated fly mode so no one would track my location or try and call me. A light was moving towards me from behind. I was done for. The Secret Service would scream to put my hands behind my head any second now. I had to flee. I threw myself into the side of the field to duck down from the beam of light trying to track me. The suspicious van, just a random dude, drove by and I was safe from the eternal torture they would subject me to. As I was walking without any goal in mind, I looked at the stars. This was something that calmed me. It was a beautiful clear night and the blue and red stars were soothing to the point I was one with them. I physically floated towards them and was drawn and teleported into space and onto the moon which I looked at. Gravity was pulling me in and out of the state of zero-G. I didn't know if I was going up or down or if my journey would end ever. Maybe I was dead already and walking through limbo. I was crying at this point, completely helpless and fearful of what was going on. I felt like a kid lost in the supermarket while his mom suddenly disappeared, except I was drenched and high in the middle of the fields. Eventually I understood that I needed help and that the only way out of here was to call one of my buddies who didn't know I took something. I called and after the phone rang for what felt like an eternity and me having to confess and ask for help I said to my friend that I wasn't feeling all right and that I needed help. He asked where I was and I might as well have answered in hell. We tried navigating around and trying to track down my location, which I of course could not give any input about. Eventually I decided to simply start walking back to town As I came back and entered civilization, everything was alien. The facades of the dark houses looked like faces looking down upon me, judging. Cars looked like foreign technology, like bugs on the road, and the lantern's light was odd. It was like I could not pinpoint the exact color they were shining in. Eventually, my friend told me to stop fucking around with him and go read a street name so he could come pick me up. I was standing one meter in front of the street sign, but had to squint my eyes and tell him letter by letter to even tell him how it was called. At this time, an airplane flew over somewhere in the sky, and it felt like Valkyries coming down on me. The sound of it was right in my ears, immensely loud and threatening. It sounded like it was 20 meters above me, and the sound had infinite reverb, but it wasn't. My friend told me to come to the train station, and so I stumbled there. A train came in, and for some reason, I thought I had to get onto the train, so I started running to catch it while my friends screamed at me through the phone to not get into the fucking train. I obeyed and waited until the train was gone before jumping over the tracks without thinking twice. I could have died here, no joke. My friends looked at me while walking back to the party and asked me what the fuck was going on and why I was so dirty and fucked up. I didn't tell them, but they obviously knew something was up. They parked me outside with my stoner buddy as they thought he would be the only one who knew what was up with me. He probably felt really guilty as he must have thought that I had gone schizo or some shit, smoking his blunt or that I overreacted to it. The rest of the evening was really uneventful. I continued discussing about the universe and the truth of life and other concepts with my friends on the campfire tripping balls. I was just talking absolute insane nonsense. I tell you this story to make sure you are aware of the dangers of not following SafeU's protocol when using psychedelics. I should have never tried a higher-than-before dose in a foreign setting without a trip sitter. I pretty much heard every single rule there is concerning trip safety and paid the price. Don't be stupid like me, and always respect the drug. Even though I woke up the next day feeling drained but normal, it might not end this lucky for you, and you might have to deal with severe mental issues following the experience stay safe psychedelics are no joke even though this was my only bad trip among a ton of amazing ones a bad trip is always 10 times worse than an amazing trip does good for you So this trip report is probably my second wildest drug experience I've ever had, serving up another double whammy of circumstantial insanity and outrageous substance experience. I've done every drug imaginable, including fentanyl and heroin now. I was 120 pounds around this time, a huge psychonaut who only cared about altering his state of mind 24/7 to the most staggering degree. But this monsoon of madness occurred on the 4th of July. And yes, I combined all these drugs together, legitimately. I was juggling these molecules, perpetually staining chaos all around me for an incredibly savage, funny, and memorable multi-substance experience. So to prepare for this upcoming holiday, I walked a short distance from my house to Walmart and shoplifted a 365-count of Benadryl, two bottles of 20-count Robogels, and the best brand of nutmeg I could find. On my walk home, I ponder about getting some real drugs as well and letting my raging delinquency run wild. When I arrive home, I remember my sister had a bottle of Norcos, which she probably needed after her recent dentist appointment, but I was on that scumbag energy, so I could care less. I was preparing to go full goblin mode. I dig through her room shortly, and I find the pills in her backpack. I take three pills and dart out of her room and into mine. I pop the 40 robo-gels and dump half of the nutmeg into a glass of water. Gross, I know. But I put the nutmeg water in my closet to take later on when the DXM hits me and nullifies my sense of taste. I pop the three Norcos and head over to my best friend Skylar's house to do fireworks. Skylar's mostly abstinent, aside from the occasional bowl of weed and sip of alcohol, whereas I'm the hippie drug addict super wook psychonaut, a complete lab rat dumpster for any and every psychoactive. I asked if she was trying to get on anything tonight. She suggests weed, I nod, and we start hitting people up for an eighth, which we failed to achieve. I thought my friend Scooby, for the sake of his privacy I altered his real name, should definitely be available, which I take advantage of later on in my extremely intoxicated state. We go to her garage eventually and fish out the fireworks. The DXM and Norcos have hit by now and I'm feeling fantastic, aside from a bit of nausea. The dissociation made me hallucinate multiples of each fireworks, shining brightly in my double vision. All my limbs are buzzing in euphoric static. I continue to gaze at the colorful explosions in the night sky sparklers became much more entertaining. The patterns would last longer in the air than being in a sober state. Usually, DXM isn't the most pleasurable drug on its own, but with Norcos and fireworks, it was one hell of a good time. But when I would try and light any of my own, I'd miss and light its hallucinatory double, which was slightly aggravating. The bizarre headspace of DXM engulfs me in odd spiritual thought streams. I get wacky cam visuals when I close my eyes, seeing myself shoplift RoboGels from CVS Pharmacy, because that store was one of my main targets for stealing DXM products. I alone would rob their shelves entirely dry until I'd have to walk to a different store to do it. But after having a blast with the fireworks, I return home, Robo walking around the block and into my house sneakily, so my parents wouldn't catch me because of how my eyes looked. DXM really makes your eyes incredibly fucked up, more so than most drugs. I excitedly walk fast to my room, lock the door, and bring out the nutmeg water and diphenhydramine. I take 325mg of the DPH and very quickly down the nutmeg water, which wasn't too bad. Still fiending for bud, I hit up my dealer Scooby, and he did not answer, again. This frustrated me because I knew this guy was always home, so I get the bright idea to drive to his house anyway and to steal my sister's car to do it. I pack a gun in the center console, in case anything pops off. I was getting weed tonight, no matter what. I quietly back out of the driveway and off to my dealer's house. As a warning, never drive on DXM or DPH. I honestly cannot think of a worse combination of drugs to drive on, besides salvia and detura. But the nutmeg wouldn't hit me until hours later. Then, what felt like a blink of my eyes, I somehow end up at Scooby's house. I hit his garage with the car, leaving a small dent. I get the gun and slide it into my pants. I knock on his door five or six times, in which I'd get no answer. So I decided to turn the doorknob, and to my surprise, it was open. I waltz inside and yell out his name. No answer. I turn the corner into his gaming area and see him passed out on the floor from Zans. Perfect, I say to myself. On his coffee table are two large snowballs of cocaine, about an eighth of weed, as well as an empty script of Alperzolam. I take all the weed and one of the snowballs of coke. Then I remembered he always puts his sheets of wax in his fridge. I take about an eighth of the ounce. I wanted to leave some of the drugs so it looks less suspect and make him think he lost it while Zanned out. I scamper out of his house and into the car. I make a big edgelord move and rail a line of coke off of my gun and drive off into the night and back towards home. Again, it's like I was transporting. I snap out of my blackout and I'm almost home. I thought... Damn, some music would sound amazing right now. I turned the radio to Ariana Grande's side-to-side song. I cringily start singing and dancing so much so that I flew over to the side of the road. Oh, fuck. I knocked off the passenger side mirror on a fucking telephone pole. I literally about flipped my sister's car into a cornfield, but recovered last second. I U-turned back around and parked in a close neighborhood where the mirror had flown off. I searched for it, forgetting what I'm doing like 10 times because of the DPH short-term memory loss. I could not find that shit for the life of me. I get back in the car and slowly drive the two minutes home. My sister is going to be so fucking butthurt, I thought. I not only stole Norcos from her, but her car as well to rob a drug dealer, then broke her mirror off on the way back. Talk about reckless. When I arrive back, I do my honest best to park nice and evenly in the driveway. Boy, did I fuck that one up. It was probably the worst parking job in history. It was completely slanted, even after giving it a third and fourth try. I give up and head inside, making as little noise as possible. When I make it to the basement, I notice my sister in the same spot on the couch as she was before I left. What a relief, I thought stupidly. I avoid eye contact with her and sit in the rocking chair in front of the TV. There are red outlines and clear hallucinations crawling all over the TV. It all looked extremely 2D and very surreal. Electric shocks from the DPH body high circulate through my heart. It was slightly orgasmic, but with the sprinkle of fear of cardiac arrest... It intertwined with the feeling of snapping out of it. After my close-eyed visuals ended, zap, a lightning strike of simultaneous pleasure and pain. I forcibly close my eyes again and thought I was back at Skyler's house, and the memory replays begin. It felt as real as actual real life. She was asking me about the weed. I turn towards her and say, I already took my sister's car to get an eighth from Scooby. I'm pretty sure it's still in her car. Zap, electric shock. I snap out of it and realize I just said that to my sister. Fuck Did I really just snitch on myself? My sister pauses the TV show And starts yelling at the top of her lungs You what? What are you on right now? Shit, fuck She knows I'm fucked up now And that I stole her car to go get drugs This is bad Really bad If my parents find this out I'm so fucked My sister was trying to wake them up My short term memory toys with me I forget why she's yelling But urge her to stop As she only gets louder Get it out of my car I finally register what's going on Get up go to her car. It took me 10 minutes to even find it but a sigh of relief nonetheless until I step out and see the passenger mirror gone. Then my relief manifests into anxiety. I have to think of something to cover my ass fast. I think some weed and coke should help me come up with something clever. I go back inside and show my sister I got the weed out of her car. She's now just convinced I'm extremely stoned on weed which wasn't too far off. I'm about to get stoned now though. As I'm walking upstairs, I notice a translucent geometric pattern layered across the walls. It looked like this. I thought this was unbelievably cool. When I touch the center of these patterns, they'd ripple like ponds, where my finger would seemingly glitch through the walls. This geometry was quite reminiscent of psychedelics. Once I'm done playing with these open-eye visuals, I get to the hallway to my room, which is right across from my parents. Shadow animals crawl in and out of holes in the ground or into my parents' room. I thought I was tripping over them, even though they obviously weren't there. I get in my room and speedily shut the door. I take the weed and coke out of my pocket and decide I'm going to sandwich the coke between the weed and put wax on top. What a fucking magnificent bowl, I thought. I'm about to get dummy zooted, banana land zonked, I'm ready. I open up my window to blow the smoke out. After the first hit, my ears ring like tinnitus and my vision stutters. My heart races like a wildebeest that just escaped an attacking lion. After the second hit, I feel the nutmeg kick into action. I'm higher than shit, utterly sent. The euphoric pleasure is in sync with my visuals. Behind closed eyelids were rotating gears like that of a grandfather clock, spinning, spinning, and spinning. The intensity in my head, increasing, increasing, and increasing. Gibberish talking can be heard from all directions. Surfaces became bodies of water. Every wave indicated a new wave of sensation or plateau of intoxication. The moon outside my window turned into a glowing Robin Williams and it seemed like he was trying to convey to me something important, yet comical. My consciousness feels like it's rising upward. It's very difficult to gather my thoughts. My mouth was sandpaper. I go to the kitchen to grab something to drink. While I'm getting some V8 juice, I glare at the dozens of eggs we had on the bottom shelf. And that's when I had the thought, the divine plan, the genius opportunity. I'm going to egg my own house. Yes, you heard that right. To make my family think someone else did it and knocked off the mirror while they were doing it. Yeah, it was someone else who did it. Some random person that just didn't like me. I chuckle maniacally and grab one of the dozen's of eggs and head outside to my front yard. Here we go, I say to myself. I empty a whole clip of eggs all over my house. I can't believe I just did that. My house is now dripping in egg. I hope I didn't make too much noise, I thought. On the way back inside, I get tackled from behind by a huge wolf. I flinch, and the wolf pounce right through me. Fuck, a translucent wolf. My heavily altered state seemed to be tickling my amygdala big time. Even with the cocaine, I did not feel like moving anymore. I just want to listen to music by myself. I go inside and downstairs, and my sister is now gone. I sit in the rocking chair with the empty box of eggs in my lap and put my headphones in. The music intensification was riveting until I blacked out. A couple hours pass by, and I slightly gain consciousness, but my hearing is deafened. In front of me is exactly what I was trying to avoid. My dad is yelling and pointing his fingers at me. It's 6 a.m. of the next day, which meant my dad had called off a work because of me. Great, I mutter, still high as a giraffe nose. It wasn't me, I swear. My dad seems to get angrier. Finally, my hearing is starting to restore itself. You have the damn eggs in your lap. God fucking damn it. How stupid could I be? My dad was also so baffled by my idiocy. Well, there's no getting myself out of this one. My dad proceeds to yell about my sister's car as well, and now he tells me to get out of the house and be homeless or go to rehab in Michigan, and I chose rehab. That would be my third time in rehab of now 40 different treatment centers, if you include my five visits to the psych ward. I developed paranoid schizophrenia since, but that's about it. I hope instead of doing anything similar to this, y'all learn from my mistakes. Not that many people are this insane or nutty enough to combine six drugs at a time anyways, but I hope you all enjoyed this. Thanks for listening. I would like to start by saying I have used, this is in no order, merely in the order I thought of them, amphetamines, weed, acid, but who can tell what's acid anyways? Ketamine, opium, methadrone, oxycodone, codeine, dihydrocodine, cocaine, MXC, DXM, 25C, NBOME, 2 C's, M P, mescaline, shrooms, 4-ACODMT, NNDMT, 5-MeO-DMT, 5-MeO-MIPT, ritalin, valium, alcohol, tobacco, solvents, once but they sucked, and some antidepressants, because they were there, they didn't do anything though. I probably missed something, but yeah, I am very comfortable when on drugs. I would also like to point out I have found it very easy to get off smoking pot, and I have never been addicted to any substance except K. This is my story of how an eight-month on-and-off ketamine usage span has led me to an empty and lacking place I hope no one else gets to, but people probably will. Now, in my area, there had been pretty much prosperity with the god candy up until mid-2011. At this point, I really wasn't too much into K. I liked K-holing, and it was by and large my favorite drug. I was doing it rarely, and while I would take a bit while I could, like a gram to myself or maybe two over a night, nothing major. I was always using it with people. It was some fun shit. I would K-hole on my own occasionally, but I wouldn't just blitz it all to myself. I preferred social interaction. So K comes back, and I'm itching to get back on it. I realized I missed it, but still at this point it was simply because it has no come down, sickness, fatigue, uncomfortable bodily sensations, or at least not in my experience. I always found it to be an intellectual alcohol, letting my thoughts and words flow well while others I knew just became slurred messes. It was my personality drug. Anyway, the K gets back, lovely crystals, tasty drip, has that fresh-off-the-pan style of sharp pain, gaggy taste, mmm, and sharp pure chemical slug trail down the throat that lets me know I'm using a pure tasty drug, not some kind of sugar-coated repressed cut crap as is the way with other chems. Especially in my local area, K was like a sacred thing that no one cut. I am supposed to be acquiring it, taking it to a friend, and he will give me the line I just had plus a gram. Now I've had this K already, so I'm in nostalgic, where have you been, Heaven? Of course, this only occurred to me in this intro-retrospective moment. Sorry if you feel bored, but I feel this best explains everything so you understand the kind of person's experience you are reading. Instead of delivering it, I just buy all of it up front with cash. Me and my fellow K warrior, we shall call him M, are very excited to get on it. We go around our friends' houses sharing the rails and chatting crap for the next few evenings, and all is well. Now, I mentioned the on-and-off nature of the K-climate. The off-section came in around May. At this point, I had been using it liberally for a while, and had begun doing it alone occasionally because my tolerance was dead to rights. Fucked, you might say. I was not worried, though. It's to be expected due to my tolerance and wanting to make my cash worth it. I still wasn't at that legendary 5 grams per day stage or anything like that. Nailing a G over the night was still okay for me, to be honest. But I was growing fonder of the K-hole, the strange noises, colors, spinning vortexes of crushing green glowy light. <clears throat> Anyways, continuing. K then scarpered around May-ish. I was really okay with it. It'll be back, I said chirpily. I finished my studies and got signed on to uni. Good shit. Also, just to put a spoiler on it, I haunt dropped out or blitzed all my money on K or anything. Around my birthday, K came back, literally three days before totally out of nowhere. My cash had recovered from the last spot of K and it wasn't 25 to 30 pounds of G anymore. It was 20, even better. More K, I thought. Me and M smashed six grams between us in the space of a day on my birthday and still managed to frolic in the woods, albeit an unsmooth collapsing frolic, but a frolic nonetheless. So yeah, I've got to a point of enjoying higher doses and my using it alone index had gone to around 60% of the time. At this point, it's still mainly tolerance, but a bit because I enjoy just giggling to myself and watching some nuts film like Zeitgeist, etc. For the last two weeks of this K period, I am taking K on my own, not leaving the house other than to go get a gram or two, sometimes twice a day. Even my dealer was getting kind of worried. He had been a fiend himself and he knew his words would go unheeded, so he instead advised me to drink a load of water and eat a lot before coming and getting K in between holes. It sounds basic, but I would forget this sort of shit in lieu of that sweet drip and hole combo. After this span of reclusive uses, 90% of the time I'm alone. I basically ignored everyone during this period and took K all the time. The other 10% is my dealer and his friends who are all nice guys and stuff, but really, I'm just there to get K off of them. We have laughs and it's all good, but I wouldn't be there if someone else had K at that point. I have a fair tolerance the third time K comes, and this is like beginning of August for just a week. There was a gap of two weeks between this time. But this K was shit. A new guy had come from somewhere with K, with K in it, but with some white medical powder and other shit. It didn't stand, but I was huffing it all up for the K it was worth. I don't hang around with my other dealer anymore, despite saying I would like to session with them, etc. I was just making small talk, but I haven't seen him since. It still got me where I wanted to go, but it was kind of shitty, not being those godly crystals of love that they once were. Now, I have a girlfriend, and have done so since last December. She appears again later. The third time the K comes around, I am rearing for it. I need it, and it's a constant fucking supply. I was literally shaking with laughter and glee. I gave him 160 pounds and got 10 grams from him, two of which someone else had bought, I gave them their two and took my eight over the course of three days. I was in the K-space, waking up at 9am after five hours sleeping, huffing a line, lazing around eating cereal and watching endless movies, TV series, documentaries, etc. Not leaving and barely speaking to anyone. About mid-August, I've been taking it daily. Not in gross amounts, just a couple G's a day, repeated journeys to my dealers. They all think I'm some kind of K-machine. I have ceased taking it with even M, one of my best friends and follower of the cat. Again, it's actually 80% alone and 20% with people due to me getting on it at my dealers a bit longer because they would feed me K just to watch me take huge lines. They seemed under the impression that I thought I was awesome or something, and one guy who came there thought I thought I was cool. I really didn't. I envied them. They were taking 80 milligrams a line and would lose all motor coordination. I was taking 300 milligrams a line and would literally have perfect balance, coordination, and all I have really lost is my cash. This doesn't bother me that I was spending 40 pounds a day. I didn't miss a single day taking it, and on Fridays, I would go through 80 pounds worth that night into Saturday morning till 12, when I would go get another half gram. Damn. I get to the end of August, and I'm still hoovering it up all the time. I start uni on the 7th of September. I don't use in uni, but in all my spare time, I am on it. I spend a bit of my loan, but not that much, really. So anyways, I think about K all the time. I love the shit. On the train home, Ket. In my lectures, Ket, I barely sleep. I can't sleep after K anymore. I used to get lovely sleep. Not anymore unless I do .7 in a line and horse myself to bed. I would say around the 21st of September, I think to myself, I have a fucking problem. But as my dissociation second personality said, You have a fucking problem. (laughs) Ha! I get mild urinary discomfort, no pain, no blood, it's gone now, etc. I stopped doing it for like two weeks and let my body heal. I still think about it daily, but thanks to this very website, I realize that you can piss in a bag off this shit. But after two weeks, I have a line. No discomfort. I blitz once again until my stomach starts going sour. I get these weird cramps. They don't hurt, but they have me a bit hunched now and then. I crank up my calcium and vitamin intake, cat logic. I haven't taken K with anyone for this period of time until a week into October. I quit, cold turkey. Fuck this shit, it will ruin me. I don't like it. Now it gets to the modern day. I have taken it once since then, and it wasn't enjoyable. No pain, but I couldn't stop thinking about the year I had spent ignoring my friends. So where is the emptiness? Well, basically, I don't ever go out at the weekends, which I did a lot. I cannot go in pubs without being very scared. I haven't ever so much as had a pint since being 18. I went to the pub earlier in the year, but didn't buy a pint, and was on ket at the time. I feel permanent depersonalization. I have very severe HPPD-like symptoms of image burn and little random trips that happen every now and again. In fact, even thinking about this while writing makes the whirling K-hole noise of tinnitus come back that I cannot shake. I don't feel depressed at all, but I just lack all motivation. I haven't seen friends in ages, but I don't give a shit. I don't even want to take K particularly. I just feel empty, cold almost, kind of shallow. I don't really care that much about anything. I do my studies, but only because it distracts me and allows me to just do something. I feel very little aspiration for the subject. I don't like going out very much, and I'm now for some reason scared of the dark. I get paranoid if someone isn't in my house. I live with my parents, and they don't know about the extent of my drug use. They kind of condone the milder amount as innocent fun, and I agree. It has always provided a decent platform of free speech and proper awareness about drugs, rather than superstitious propaganda-filled crap. My mom knows I research everything well and understand what I am doing. Anyways, I don't like it when I have to do things for other people because I feel so little connection to even my closest friends. Even tonight, I was invited to two separate birthday events and a gig which could all have been done over the span of six hours. And one of the parties is still on and only a three-minute walk from my house. I can't go out there. I don't want to see anyone and have to fake interest in having conversations. But what is wrong with me? They are not my enemies, they are some of my closest friends and my girlfriend. I barely connect with who really is or was the love of my life. I know it sounds very cheesy, but we both do, or my case, arguably did, have a deep-rooted spiritual connection. But while Kay used to make me fall further into love with her while simultaneously into a hole, I began hiding it from her and saying I wasn't using. This went on from July onwards. I wasn't neglecting her, just wrongfully justifying a wrong act that my shame never ends on doing. I only told her in joking connotations that I had a problem. We were probably arguing about Ket or something as she had found out the lies a few times. But now at this point, I feel a bit broken. I can't feel upset. I feel happy sometimes, but it's more just a slightly elevated mood. I don't even care when I am sick. I used to always be proactive, and now, I find myself just sitting at home watching crap on the internet. I decided to write this so that someone could hopefully learn from this. I was invincible, I mean before K. I would be the one who was healthy on the session. I would get the okay comedowns. I could take loads of strong hallucinogens in combination and feel fine. I was one of the people who talked the most and inspired conversation and made people laugh, not to toot my own horn. I wouldn't throw up and would always be headstrong and know what to do in situations of bad trips coming on in the group, etc. Now, I really am a shell of who I once was in most aspects. I still exercise, go for walks and stuff. I live in a town where there's a nice array of nature spots, a 10 minute walk up a hill. But really, I don't care about doing them. I know at this point you are thinking, yeah, I get it, the dickhead Kethead fucked himself up and now he doesn't care but I'm just trying to stress the lack of humanity I have left. I really hope it comes back, and it's not been that long since taking it, but still, I feel kind of... well, nothing, but it may not wear off. I don't blame the ketamine, and all drugs should be legal. It's the morons who take them who give drugs a bad name. I could have kept to a sensible usage, my other friends did. I was never pressured, no one told me to, it was never glamorized. In fact, plenty of people at each stage tried to tell me I would become sour. As a cat addict, I knew. Called it. I didn't listen. I made the decision. I acted. So I must face the consequences of my actions and grow up and deal with it. I wish I was depressed. I would at least feel something tangible instead of this gray area of bleak thought. I'm not saying I don't have a laugh sometimes, and I do see people on occasion other than uni colleagues, but I really am sour. I don't understand why people would want to speak to me, so I shut myself at home so they don't have to listen to me talk about crap, and they can get on with their lives. Well, that's my most depressing monologue ever. I hope you didn't feel bad during reading that, and I'm sorry if I made you. I'll let myself out. Thanks for listening. writing this the day after my experience, so it is still very fresh in my mind. I'm going to give as much detail as possible. For those who don't wish to read that much, the short version is, never take Amanita Muscaria without a sitter, no matter how experienced you think you are. I had an entire Sunday with nothing to do, so I decided to finish off what was left of my Amanita Muscaria caps. This would be my fifth time taking Amanita. I thought I was prepared. I was very wrong. I had ordered Washington State grade A++ dried caps from a reputable online retailer a few months prior, and my first two experiences were with this. Two medium caps for a nice buzz lasting about 6 hours, four medium caps for a stronger high lasting 10 hours. They were quite pleasant aside from the occasional muscle twitch with a stronger dose, so I decided to try the Latvian grade A++ caps from the same seller. The Latvian caps were not nearly as potent as the Washingtons, and I was quite disappointed. Two medium caps did nothing. Four medium caps gave me a light buzz for about two hours. I decided that I would finish the Latvian caps and the Washington caps at the same time, four small medium Latvians and four small medium Washingtons. So I was expecting about the same high I experienced with the four medium Washington caps previously. I'd estimate that this was about a half an ounce altogether, maybe 20 grams at most. Note that for all five of my experiences, I ate similar food in similar quantities a light lunch consisting mostly of grains, like pasta and bread, about 30 minutes before consuming the caps. I experienced no nausea whatsoever, as some others have reported. The caps began to set in about 1-2 hours after consumption, as usual. It started with a feeling of my body getting lighter, then my vision started to be affected and it was difficult to focus on details. The effects increased, as they had previously, for about 4 hours. At this point, my vision was clicking on and off, as if someone was flipping a light switch every second or so. I had experienced this before with a stronger dose of Washingtons, but this time, it was a bit more intense. It was difficult to focus on the TV, so I decided I would take a nap until my vision returned. There wasn't much else I could do at that point. As I stood up to go to bed, the effect suddenly became much more intense. Instead of a light switch flipping on and off every second, it had become a very rapid strobe. I could barely see where I was walking. Then, the effect changed. Now I was getting a still image smaller than what it should be and it was rapidly zooming towards me. This repeated over and over again with the same image, increasing in speed with each repetition. Then it felt like I was repeating the same moment over and over again, as if time had begun to repeat itself rather than just the image zooming at me. At this point, I completely lost my mind. I came to the sudden realization that I was in hell. Hell was realizing that your entire life up until that point is nothing but a false memory and that you will continue to experience that moment forever and it would always be fresh. Nothing that I thought I did in life mattered and it made no difference which choices I made because ultimately, at some arbitrary and anticlimactic moment, I would realize I was in hell and that I would repeat my life over again from the beginning without this knowledge I had suddenly acquired. I screamed, oh god, oh my god, I'm in hell. I am an atheist, so I don't believe in a god, or hell, or eternity. The horror faded briefly, but it was quickly replaced by something that, to me, was somehow more believable and even more terrifying. This next part is very difficult for me to describe without a diagram, but I will do my best. I felt like my consciousness floated out of myself, and looking down I could see what I interpreted to be the universe. It was a vertical loop, like a roller coaster track, and I was above it observing the whole thing. It was segmented into pieces with the largest at the bottom, and they progressively got smaller as they came to the top, then larger on the other side until they met the bottom again. The very bottom point was my birth, and the largest segment was my life as I thought I'd experienced it up until now. Each segment was my life again, starting at my birth and ending with the moment I realized I was in hell. The size of each segment corresponded to the speed at which I lived it, such that as I came around the loop, my life sped up each time I experienced it until I reached the top. Then it began to slow down again with each lifetime. I had already repeated my life several times, and now I was at the top where I could observe everything. The universe was nothing but my consciousness in this infinite loop. I was the only thing that truly existed and I was doomed to live out a pointless imaginary life over and over again for all eternity, peeking at a moment of truth, loneliness and sheer terror, then returning to ignorance to repeat the cycle. I began screaming uncontrollably. It never stops! It goes on forever! This was worse than any nightmare I had ever had. I have no idea how long I continued to scream, but my throat was very sore the next day as if that was not enough. For some reason, I thought I could control what was happening in this moment as it repeated. I felt like I could make things better for myself by choosing to repeat a happy moment over and over again, instead of realizing I was doomed for eternity. So I tried to imagine I was doing something fun. It didn't work. It wasn't enough to imagine it. I had to actually do it. Since I believed nothing mattered now and that the outcome would always be the same no matter what I did, I had no fear of death. I was sort of already dead. No concern for the well-being of others, they were just figments of my imagination, and no cares about consequences, there's no such thing as prison or police. So I tried to go outside in an attempt to change things. It took me a while to get to the door of my apartment open, but eventually, I did. Not before I got so frustrated that I threw a bookshelf across the room, however. I felt like I was in a dream now. The single moment was no longer repeating, but I still had no grasp of reality. I ran outside, down the stairs, and into the street. Luckily, the speed limit around my apartment complex is only 5 miles per hour, and there are lots of speed bumps, so I was in no danger of being hit and killed. Cars were driving by me, at least one of them honked. I was yelling at drivers, It doesn't matter! Nothing matters! I distinctly remember looking one woman straight in the eyes as she slowed down to drive past me. I yelled at her, and she had a look of fear and confusion on her face that I will never forget. I kept running, and for a second I thought I could fly. I leapt into the air, but I came back down. I decided this was because I had not mastered the ability to alter the laws of physics yet, but that eventually I would be able to. I wandered around for quite some time, lost in the maze of apartment buildings and parking lots. At some point, I walked through a pond that was waist deep. I was talking loudly to myself, stumbling about, soaking wet, and yelling nonsense at the few people I saw. I distinctly remember having the urge to strangle someone, just because I could, thinking that it wouldn't matter. Thankfully, I didn't. I climbed on top of someone's car in the parking lot at some point, and while I was up there, I began to think, "Uh uh-oh, maybe I'm not in hell. Maybe I should go home. I eventually found my way back to my apartment, and I immediately called my friend. Am I in hell? I asked. What? Am I in hell? Where are you? In my house, in hell. What are you on and how much did you take? I don't know, all of it, whatever was left. I'm coming over, I'll be there in a few minutes. I was fine from that point on, talking to someone I knew was enough to bring me back to reality. I calmed down and gradually returned to normal again over the course of the next four hours or so. The core effects lasted about 12 hours, but I still feel like curling up into the fetal position when I remember the sound of my own screaming. Remembering all this, I'm surprised the police never showed up. I was extremely lucky that I was not arrested, killed, or seriously injured. I'm very glad I didn't hurt anyone else either, because I'd never be able to live with myself if I had. I'm not sure I will ever take Amanita again, but at the very least, it will be in smaller doses, and never without a sitter, just in case. I know now how dangerous it can be. Never take Amanita muscaria without a sitter. I had gone down to a head shop close by my house, interested in buying 20 times salvia, for I wanted to try it now instead of later because the next week I would be put onto a new medication, Accutane, and I had no idea the effects of mixing the two. I entered the shop and asked for it, being asked for my ID in return. Thus, I exited the shop with $30 blonde K2 in hand, hoping to simply later get high and go for a walk. I waited till my parents were in bed, and then I slipped outside with my bong and a full bowl of the K2. I sat down on my patio and lighted up. On the first hit, not much occurred right away, but then, very quickly, I began to feel light. The second hit, ah, I could feel the high. Now, this was my mistake. I don't know what possessed me, but I took a third hit. The feelings became much more intense and pleasant, but then, instantly, the mosquito bite on my back became intensely uncomfortable. I felt horrible. I felt like I was going to die. I couldn't take this. I felt, or I thought I felt, my heart rushing, pumping. I had to get inside. I stumbled up to the stoop to my door, got into the kitchen and turned the lights off. I walked over to the sunroom where the TV was still on. I had expected to watch some TV afterwards, I turned the lights off, instant relief. I then turned the TV off. I remembered I still had my bong in my hand. Shit, where the fuck could I put this? I thought to myself. Well, I crawled on the ground and managed to stash it next to the back of my couch on the edge, generally where no one would go. All was dark, so I figured it would be all right there while I got better. Here's where it gets weird. Now I can't remember if this happens now or after I got onto the couch, and then maybe I wandered back to the floor, but it happens earlier on. I'm apparently still on the floor, feeling like dying. I don't exactly remember the course of events, but I had some incredibly uncomfortable mental visuals and experiences. I was being transported through different realities, experiencing what the world could be like, fucking different dimensions. It was horrible. I went progressively into worse realities. At one point, in a reality that I had originally thought was where people went when they died, a reality of complete peace and no feeling. This was different. In this, I couldn't relax. It was constant struggle, constant discomfort, no haven in sight, constant swishing and rushing of terror and sadness. I tried to understand what I was feeling, and it was the simultaneous rush of uncomfortable emotions from people all over the world. I just kept feeling one constant, unsettling emotion over and over again. When I tried to relax, it forced me back, and there was no release, no bringing down of intensity. There were false relaxations, which would only bring me back to worse emotional feelings. I couldn't take this. This couldn't be existence. How can this be reality? How can this be existence? I bitterly questioned my mind. Will this end? Is this how life is? I needed an escape. Bring me back to the real world, please, just for an instant, I ascended. A rush, and I am back on a floor. At the same time, I had some short visual of going with some other boys into some unknown house. Now here we are. I look around, see the shadows and lights on the wall, the windows large and expanding, the room stretching. I believed I must have been somewhere else. Now we were all lying down on the floor in some unknown house. Hey guys, I exclaimed, guys, guys, no one responded. I saw the shadow of boys laying on the floor next to me. I felt some kind of furniture leg guys? It began to seep into me that there was no one there. It began to feel eerily familiar. The furniture leg felt incredibly similar to what I had in my own sunroom, in the TV room. In all actuality, I hadn't gone anywhere. I then realized this and began to get up. I decided to lay down and make it seem like I had simply fallen asleep in front of the TV. But then I vomited on my couch. Shit. I used my blanket to hold my vomit as more came out. Shit, shit, shit. It was a constant struggle to stay with reality. I would often go in and out, feeling as though this room was a dream, nothing real, nothing that I knew. Is that my TV? What is that? Often, very often, I would vomit. I kept trying to name what was in the room to keep me with reality, to keep me from slipping into the world of bright and spinning visuals. That's my TV, and that's my VCR and DVD player, and that's a plant stand. There's that plant on it from my old house, and a fern I got from my third-grade art teacher. She named him Elvis. Repeatedly, I would do this, and I would keep slipping. At one point, it seemed like someone was judging me, and the quality of my descriptions of real-world things would keep me in this world. More vomiting. I had another hallucination. I thought I was maybe in the hospital or something. Regardless, there were people there. I was somewhere else, laying down. I was conversing, hearing them, but I can't remember about what. Then I had a lapse of sanity. Oh wait, I'm here. There's, there's no one there. And I was back in my room. The visuals seemed like brightly colored pixels and molecules spinning around and flashing. At one point, the room spun out of control. I couldn't take it. Stop this, stop now. I always had the ability to talk to the real world and I always had the ability to move, more vomiting. I quickly realized that my hands were always there. They could always take me back and my feet. I always had ten fingers and two feet. They kept me grounded. I would stare at my hands as they, synchronized, made different shapes and moved their fingers. Here are my hands. They have ten fingers, total, and they have five, separate. They appeared perfect, almost cartoonish, or some sort of CGI creation. My hands and feet were the only reminder that I still existed in space and I was there. I slid my glasses onto the floor so as to not get them dirty, Vomiting kept me in reality as well, those powerful surges that I can now more easily control by clenching my fists. As it left me, that's when I felt most real, the most alive. It is all difficult to remember, but I do know that now I heard footsteps and creaks from above me. My parents' room is just above and to the front of where I was sitting, and this is where the noise was coming from. I couldn't let them find me here in this space, not like this. There was too much vomit. There was a pool between my knees and the blanket. After some waiting, lights began to flip on and my mom came into the sunroom. She asked what was going on. I said I felt sick. Yeah, me too, she said. Not like this, I thought. She watched and stood there as I vomited. It seemed like time was frozen. She wouldn't move. She asked what I thought it could be. Food poisoning? No, I don't think so, mom. I vomited again and again and it refused to hold back. Nothing much came out, but it hurt. She decided to bring me upstairs. It was difficult to walk, so I held onto her as we journeyed out of the room. Tight spaces were like canyons, and the steps were like a mountain. I made it to my room and fell into the bed. She gave me a bowl to barf in and a towel. My shirt was already off from when I took it off downstairs when my mom found me. Soon, I threw up into the bowl. I don't know how long I was there, but my face would not leave the bowl. It just stayed in there. I threw up some more. My mom eventually took the bowl and washed it out. I laid there, my desk lamp on. My mom had turned my computer off. I just laid there with an ice pack on my head. My mom must have given it to me. I pushed it onto the floor later on. Some hours later, I went downstairs to try to get my bong, but my mom was on her laptop in the sunroom. I told her, I'm better now. She asked how I was and told me it would be better if I went back to bed, so I did. I had a tremendous headache. I went back to bed and then some hours later I saw that the hallways were dark. I went down to finally reclaim my bong. It was where it had been. Had my mom seen it? I wasn't sure. I brought it upstairs and put it into my closet. Then I went to bed. No dreams. What can I say about this? It was the worst experience of my life. Never again will I attempt that many bonk hits from K2. I honestly felt like I was going to die that night. I had always wanted to test the possibilities of my body's psyche. To see where it could bring me. To see if I could experience another world. Oh, I experienced that alright. This is not at all what I ever could have wanted. I was brought to different realities, places that fucked up my complete view of the world, a disconnection filled with feelings that could never be felt in the real world, a total disorientation and confusion, and the vomiting, and the spinning, I couldn't escape. The whole experience lasted several hours, I may have cried for brief moments of time, it was horror. My friend had previously told me that when he smoked too much of this stuff it fucked with his mind, well, my mind was surely fucked. It was ravaged, raped, torn out, and spewed all over my blanket. I am relieved to now be back in reality and be alive. This world is much better than what I had previously experienced. I always knew deep down that the real world was the one with furniture. I always knew to come back here, and that's why now I deeply hold on to it. What changed me were the transportation into other realities and the clash between them and the visceral feelings of vomiting and touch. I learned that what keeps us grounded are those inner bodily feelings within the chest, and letting go means going away. That if I'm not prepared for something, I gotta suffer and learn. I only learn when I go down the hard path. I am by no means denouncing K2. I have used it countless times since my horror show. I find it a very stimulating product that is many more times potent than weed. I can do many hits of weed for my bong without any feelings of death, It produces no feelings of relaxation for the most part. It's mainly a means to get high. My friend tried two hits from my bong even after I told him about my experience. He overdosed, but to a much lesser degree. His heart was beating out of control, and he was very uncomfortable for some time.